want to talk for a short time this morning. Um, we'll take our reading from 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. You know, several years ago, when, back when I was in Lubbock, I had somebody say, well, you, you sure like to talk about Paul a lot. And I said, well, that may be so. And I guess I kind of shied away from that for a little bit. Um, this lesson, it's going to seem a little... Uh, familiar to you. There are some passages that I've used in the past and things I've talked about in the past, um, so it may seem a little bit familiar uh, as we go through our study this morning. You know, when we think about Paul's life, it's, it's very fascinating to me uh, that you could have somebody that was so extreme in one direction uh, and then turn and be just as extreme in the exact opposite way. And I guess that's why I'm so fascinated with Paul's life, because I look, I look at that and think, you know, if he can be that extreme and, and go to those lengths to do what he felt like was right for him, then surely, you know, I can reach down inside myself and find a way to sort of right some, some wrongs that I see in my life. When we think of uh, persecution of Christians that... Uh, Paul uh, participated in there. If we read in uh, Acts 8, verses 1 through 3, it says, And Paul and Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the, the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation for him. As for Saul, he made havoc on the church, entering into every house and hailing, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. You know, when you think of Paul and think about his persecution of the Christians, you think about the star player on the opposite team. That's, that's the way you could look at him. He was going to be a very strong power to be dealt with. And so Christians obviously would have feared him in the things that he could do. In Acts 22, in verse 4 through 5, it says, And I persecuted this way unto, de unto the death, Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there, bound unto Jerusalem, for to be punished. Again, there, he's talking about the things that he did. The things that he did to persecute both men, women, it didn't matter. If they were, were there to serve the cause of Christ, he was there to, in his attempt to stomp that out. In Acts 22, verses 19 and 20, it says, And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that delivered, believed on thee. And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. You know, he had a mission, didn't he? He had a strong mission, and that was to stomp out Christianity at this time in his life. And he was good at it. He did the things that he felt was necessary and he felt like he was doing the right thing and he was committed to that. But we see his conversion in Acts 9 verses 1 through 9. It says, And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and destroyed of him and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if, if he found, found any of this way, whether they were men or, or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he, began, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. And the men, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. You know, continuing on, the Lord tells Ananias to go into Damascus and find Paul. We remember that. And Ananias was hesitant. Why was Ananias hesitant to do what God had asked him to do? Because he feared Paul, right? He was good at what he did. He could stamp out Christians. And now that Ananias is being told to go and find Paul, Ananias is hesitant about that, and reasonably so. We might have had that same, those same feelings. But ultimately, Ananias did as he was asked to do. And the Lord says, he's been chosen to bear my name, speaking of Paul. Then Ananias goes to Paul, and as the Lord said, and laid hands on him. And Paul received his sight and was baptized. You know, when, we had, when he had recovered, he began preaching Christ as the Son of God. The 180 degree turn we talked about. Completely changing his direction. His entire life changed toward what he, he knew at this point that was expected of him and what God would have him to do in his life. You know, even after Paul's conversion, people were hesitant. They were scared of him, weren't they? It'd be like someone coming in this building that we knew that had a mission to stomp out the very things that we hold dear in our lives. And if that person were, were to walk in the back door, think about how we might feel about that. And this was Paul. Certainly he had persecuted family members of some of these people as he traveled around to the churches. Yet he was tasked with doing that and spreading the gospel. But you know, Paul was, Paul was a, a regular man. He was a normal man. He had weaknesses. He had things in his life that he wasn't proud of. He had things in his life that he struggled with. And he did that. He did as he was asked to do. And in Romans 7, verses 20, excuse me, 14 through 25, it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that, which, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, for that for what I would, that, I, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now, 
Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is to present with me. But how to perform that, which is, which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I, I did not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, I do. now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I do, would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You know, he describes the inner struggle that he has here. And when we read this, it seems like a tangled mess to read through those words. But, you know, I think that's a good description of how tangled up he was with these things. He saw things that he did in his life that he knew he shouldn't be doing. He saw things that he knew he should be doing in his life that he wasn't doing. And when he looked at that and, and evaluated his life, I think it's probably much like we are at times. There are these things that we deal with. And for many people, you know, if, if you're like many people that I've talked to, they have probably one or two main struggles that they constantly deal with, sprinkled in with a, couple, with a few mistakes here and there, and that's pretty much their life. That's the path they're on. They're going to have those one to two things that they deal with on a daily basis, whether that's short, being short of patience, being short of grace for others, not being uh, forgiving enough, whatever the case is, many of us deal with something on a daily basis, and it's something that he describes here, that it tangled him up in knots, and he hated it. He wanted to do what God would have him to do. But there were things in his life that kept him from doing that, and it was a constant struggle. And even as Paul neared death, he recognized life as a struggle in dealing with those things in that carnal mind that he had. In 2 Timothy verse 4 and 7 through 8 that we talked about, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, we look at that, and that's probably where we want to be at that point in our life. When we come down to the end, we can talk about that struggle. We can talk about that fight. We can talk about the course that we were on and evaluate. And hopefully at that point, we can say, God, here it is. This is what I have. And God will make a righteous judgment at that point. And hopefully, if we've lived like we should and we've obeyed the gospel, Christ will be there to intervene for us. People have what they consider favorite verses. And I think this, I don't know if I would call it a favorite verse, but I, I find it a verse that I can relate to very much in that that's what I want to guide my life. That when I come to that point, I hope to be able to say those same things. It represents the past, the present, and the future of our lives. The past being presented by the fight. A fight in our lives constantly toward those things that we deal with. And whatever it is for me, it may not be for you. And what it is for you, it may not be for me. I may find certain things very simple, and I don't understand how you could possibly struggle with that. That is just not that big a deal. 
And your focus is totally wrong if you struggle with that. Is that the type of grace that we should have for one another? Because I don't struggle with it, it's no big deal. No. Because you may look at my life and say the exact same thing. The struggles that I have just aren't that big a deal. And you don't understand how I could struggle with those things. You see, we've got to extend grace to one another. Because we're all fighting some fight in our lives towards something. You know, I had a coach one time. He was, well, he's a pretty mean guy, actually. He was just, he's just that kind of guy. And uh, I guess he grew up fighting. I guess he liked fighting. And he did a lot of it, and you could tell by looking at him. He was just not a pretty guy. And, you know, he would look back on those things and understand at this point, looking back, what a mistake that was. And he told us one time, he said, you know, I realize I did those things, but that's probably the silliest thing you could ever do is to go out and, and fight a bunch of people. He said, even if you win a fight, you're still going to get hurt in that fight. And that's true. That's true whether you're talking about fighting an individual or fighting against the challenges of life. There are going to be things that we face, there are going to be things that we do, and there's going to be consequences we deal with because of the way we deal with those challenges in our life. And even though we don't win every fight as a Christian, we have to keep going back. We have to. We cannot give in because the task gets too hard. You know, just as that coach had scars from fighting as a young man, we have scars as well from the scars of life, from the daily struggle, and the choices we've made as individuals. And those scars stick with us for the rest of our life. And many times they mold the way that we think. We think about certain things because of the challenges that we've had in life. And that holds true no matter who we are. You know, I had one guy say, you know, the town drunk just takes the easy way out. Don't do that in your life. Don't take the easy way out. But you know, when you look at that individual and you look at the mistakes they had, and it's easy to see their mistakes. It's easy to look at someone like that and see that they made bad decisions. But you know, that wasn't the easy way out now. Now that they face the consequences of those decisions. What seemed like the easy way at the time is far from it at this point. And we should learn from those mistakes and do our best not to make those same mistakes. When we think about the present of what Paul was teaching here, the present present, present, pre, represented by us keeping faith in God and striving daily to increase that faith. You know, many times... I believe we confuse faith in God with belief in God. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. God's there. I believe he's there. He's going to help me. But it's something totally different to say, God, this is what's going on in my life. And this is what I present to you. And I want your guidance. I want your leadership in my life. And I want your will to become my will. Those are two very different things. And when we approach God, we need to understand that. That when we're asking for his help, we can't be working from a different point in our lives. 
operating in a totally different direction from what we know he would expect from us. You know, worry is an unusual thing if we truly have faith in God. We may not always get the answer we want, and at times we don't. But if we keep faith in God, we can know that things will work out for the best. You know, it goes back to that fight we discussed earlier. We probably all think of different things when we think of heaven. We all have some picture in our mind about how marvelous that place must be, and I hope we do. I hope we think about heaven a lot. I hope we think about what that goal is and what it might look like and how we might achieve that. And keep in mind, at that point, the carnal body and the spiritual mind will no longer coexist. It won't be there. That struggle will be gone. And we won't have to worry about those things anymore. The constant fight and daily struggle will be over. And sometimes we get sick of the constant obstacles in this life. The things that we face. And as soon as we get past one thing, we have another. And another comes along. And all of these things. And daily life just becomes to putting out one fire and moving to the next. And I think we can all say there's times in our lives when we feel that way. And we fight and we fight and we fight. However marvelous heaven might be, there are times in our lives that being in a place like that, that we don't deal with those things any longer. There's nothing there that could be more marvelous than that. To take the rest that we talk about when we're laying someone that's passed, talking about that rest that they now have. Whether it's physical ailments that they've dealt with, diseases that they've dealt with. You know, there's some individuals that just have lives that it just seems like everything bad happens to them. And I've seen people that way. I feel for them. And when we lay them to rest, we know that things are easier now. Now they can rest. And we can take comfort in that. It's sad to know we won't see that any individual any longer. But we know they're going to a better place than what they've had here. Whatever those challenges have been. And that's part of the pain in our present existence. To see all these individuals go before us. I think back over years and years of people I've seen pass. In the church. And I miss them. I miss talking with them. I miss, I miss watching their lives and looking at the faith in their lives and getting strength from that and thinking, man, I just wish I could get to a point where those guys were and wishing they were here and, and asking them questions about those things. And they're not there any longer. And that's part of the pain of living in this existing life. But that too will pass. It's time like these, there are countless of, and countless, of, countless others that try our faith. And while our belief in God is still there, we still believe in God. More importantly, our faith in God is what must get us through. We have to trust in God and have faith that whatever he has for, in store for us will be what's best. The future for us described in Paul's message is by finishing our course. We'll all finish our course one way or another. It's going to happen. What's the saying? There's only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. We're not here to talk about taxes this morning. 
we're all going to finish our course. We've got to keep these things in perspective and follow God and what he would have us to do. You know, I had a friend that was a personal trainer one time, and he was that, just that type of guy. Whatever he did, he wanted to do it bigger, he wanted to do better. And he told me, he said, I had to get out of that business. He said, I'd put somebody on a course, we'd go through a few workouts or whatever the case was. He said, I knew in 20 minutes if they'd do it or not. In 20 minutes, I would know if this individual would do that. And I kept on taking their money because that's what they were paying for. In 20 minutes, I knew if they'd show up the next day. In 20 minutes, I knew if they would ever even look at the materials I get them. In 20 minutes. What about our course? Do we fight every day? I hope we do. You know, some people, individuals that he trained, they would finish that course. They'd reach the goals. They talked a lot about goals. They'd reach those goals. They'd do whatever they had to do because that goal was important to them. But there were some that just weren't going to do it. And in 20 minutes, he knew. What exactly is our course? When you, when you think about what course you're on, what, what is it you're trying to do? What course are we trying to stay on? We talk about being on a course and veering from the course and making mistakes and having to refocus. What course are we on? To follow Christ's example? Those are great expectations, aren't they? That's a lot to live up to. That bar's been raised for us. Have you ever thought about how great those expectations are? Look at an example in 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 24. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye would follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins, in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's the course we're on. When we say we want to do God's will, that's the example we've been given. To do those things. To react the way he reacted. To conduct ourselves the way he conducted himself. That's the course. And you know, Christ was perfect. We're not perfect. Churches are not perfect. The people in churches are not perfect. But we're a people that choose to try and live on that course. In order for us to finish that course, we must allow our daily fight to meet a strong faith that we strive to strengthen every day. One thing we have to remember is that living a life faithful to God doesn't just happen. It takes effort. It takes effort on our part. We have to do certain things. We have to offset certain negative influences in our life by something good. And that's why we come here. That's why we come to be around other people that have that same goal, that are on that same course. The Christian life is not passive. It never has been. It's proactive. We have to do certain things if we want to make 
be successful in staying on that course. We have to proactively seek it. We have to be proactive in our prayer life. We have to be proactive in what we choose to do in how we're going to follow Christ on a day-to-day basis. The influences of society are doing their part to pull us away from God. And we have to offset that by putting things in our lives that bring us closer. You know, we can't live up to the example that Christ set. We can't. None of us are perfect. And we shouldn't use that as an excuse to not strive to be on that course. You know, it's easy to say, well, nobody's perfect. I just can't be expected to do the things that he would have me to do. And I don't think anybody here thinks that way. But we have to be cautious that we don't look at that and use it as, as an excuse. You know, we can learn from Paul's entire life. We haven't even mentioned all the many things he did in Christ's name and the people's lives that were affected by him. There are many. There's a lot of studying that we can get from his life. But if we remember nothing else, let's remember his words to Timothy. And fight a good fight, finish our course, and keep the faith that gets stronger day by day because of the things that we do. Remember that. Remember the course you're on. I hope something that I've said this morning has been helpful. You know, when we think about Paul's life, there's so many different facets to it. You look at his past and how horrible it was, and then you look at him as he strove to follow Christ, and you see a guy that, that did some amazing things. And when we look at our lives, hopefully we see ourselves being successful, being on that course. And even if I've made mistakes this week, I'm going to rectify those things. I'm going to correct those things in my life. And I'm going to get back on that course. Because that's what's important. You know, I think it's the, the Navy SEALs that have a saying, the only easy day was yesterday. And you know, sometimes that's the same in our lives. Yesterday was easy, but today's a new day. We have to go after that new day just as we would by focusing on what's important in life. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.